Hello and welcome to episode nine of the Talking Wednesday podcast. I hope this podcast finds you well. As always, it's a bit of an interesting one this week. There's uh, no football in between the last podcast and this one, but maybe we've put this out a little bit earlier so you can watch this just before kickoff, but you're probably watching it after the Norwich match if mm. all ends up working as it probably will. I am Dexterity Box, joined by Jake Punkchef41. As always, know, we all well. How's your week been, Jake? Stressful. Very, very stressful. This week has not been great for me. As some of you might have seen on Twitter, my little one had a temperature and because she's at nursery, that involved giving her her second COVID test of the her life, which was painfully not the first time. Even worse when she knows it's coming. So glad to have a break, but she's back at nursery. Everything's fine. It was just a normal kid bug. How are you? Well, uh, I can't really, can't really match match the drama of that. No, it's uh, it's all that. I'm just sort of in limbo, waiting for, for waiting for my Microsoft jab. Um, but other than that, I'm just sort of uh, just. I've had my Bill G- Bill Gates knows everything I'm doing now. Oh, exactly, wonderful. So, um, as it was I said, meant to be a quiet week. It was meant what to happened? be a quiet week. We were like, "Can you give us a load of topics?" And you did do that. We're probably using only about three of them this week. We're going to save them because one week we'll think we've got a busy week and it's actually a quiet week. So we'll use those that you have banked for us. But it's Might actually in the up... summer. Yeah, exactly. So if you've put something, don't feel like you have to put it every week. If it's good, I've screenshotted it, put it in a document and it will be used eventually. But a lot has come up this week to talk about. Mm. Uh, we've got a quite a big show planned. So strap in. And you're probably watching this after the Norwich match because I don't... If it ends up being a long one, I might not be able to upload it before and everybody actually get through it. So feel free to take breaks in it. But it's going to be a good one. There's a lot to talk about. And that's because we're going to start with the reviews when they load, actually. Uh, We might have to do a brief cut here because the reviews aren't loading because I'm changing my internet about. Uh, our, Our podcast this week, by the way, hit number eight in Sweden this week sweden yeah <laughs> yeah probably left that clip in there as we go into reviews so i said we'd do some pod chaser reviews today not checked apple podcast if you have left one in there in the week since we will go there we're going to try and flip between pod chaser and apple reviews so if you fancy like leaving two reviews feel free of doing that pod chaser is an easier one if you've not got an apple setup so yeah we're going to read three reviews today the first one is from harry five stars Obviously, five stars. We're reading them. We are we are those type of people. Great yeah. podcast. Always look forward to it every Sunday. Keep it up. Thank you very much. So another simple one here from Dylan. A great podcast. Short and sweet. Love it. And then this one is from Maple Leaf BC. Finally, a place to hear about and discuss the trials and tribulations of being a Sheffield Wednesday fan. Dex and Punk offer a centered perspective on results, players, ownership, future, etc. Moreover, their effort to engage our community for topics and opinions is refreshing. Keep up the great work. Love that one. Thank yeah. you very much. That is uh, what we try to do, especially with the community focus. So glad to see you're appreciating that. And thank you for all your kind messages as always. Let's get into the show. Enough, enough, enough waffle now. The accounts have come out this week. Now, I am not an accountant. Punk is not an accountant. Nope. Um But I did spend a good afternoon going through these accounts and doing my best analysis of them. I've looked at what other people have deduced from them. I've deduced slightly different things and different meanings. Basically, I did get get a message from me going, 
What the hell? How do I read this? Because my brain's gone. <laughs> I'll lead. He can follow. It's all good. Yes. So I'm going to read some words at you. And then we're going to go into what they mean. They're kind of self-explanatory, the way the, the bits I'm reading to you from the actual uh, accounts, but then we will break it down a little bit more. So this is from the accounts directly. And when I refer to the company in business, the company in this uh, specific instance is the uh, club, yeah, obviously. The company uses a number of key performance indicators to measure its performance. Turnover was down to 22.8 million as opposed to 25.2 million 2018 due to the previous period being a 14-month period. That's what a lot of people are missing as well. Back to the Mm. quote. Average league attendance fell to 24,429, previously 25,939. The team finished 12th in the Football League Championship as opposed to 15th in 2018. The company's profit for the year was £19.1 million, compared to a loss in the previous period, as restated, of £35.5 million. As set out in Note 1.2 of the financial statements, the club lost its appeal against the decision of an EFL disciplinary tribunal that the sale of the stadium did not have a retrospective effect, and the accounts, therefore, reflect a prior period adjustment to remove the disposal from the period ended 31st of July 2018 and recognise it in the year ended of 31st of July 2019. Basically, quotes over now, what that means is, these are the accounts, by the way, for the end of the 2029 in July, that financial accounts year. So we don't know about 2020. We're coming up to where 2021's accounts should be submitted. So that's how far we're behind we are in terms of accounts but you do submit your accounts at the end of the year so we we still haven't heard 2020s yet and from what i'm hearing we've actually done a little bit better with getting the latest accounts in better it seems like we might have done it all at one the one set but while we're at it we'll crack on with the other set as well so and i'm nice to see you'll get them on time (laughs) that's true and i have spoke a lot at you there that was a lot of words but what that basically means is it explains that we made a profit of 19.1 million because we sold the stadium and the stadium was actually put into that year. And it kind of explains why we got the, we tried to retrospectively sell the stadium, which is why we got into trouble with financial fair play. Whereas this has actually meant in 2019, when the accounts closed, we ended up with a 19.1 million profit. That has worried people because obviously turnover, we're going to get into the wage bills in a minute. It means that our wage bill is actually higher than our turnover. And if you take out the, we'd have made a loss still. So we're going to get into that. So the wage bill in 2018 was 37 million, 42 if you include social security, all that sort of stuff. Wage bill in 2019, 32 million, 37. Now, yes, that is a 5 million pound decrease, which is great. If If you think that we've gone down that factor, That'll be good. I just thought it'd be a good thing, and I've not seen this done, is to look at the actual players we got rid of, because this is the wage bill. You've got to think about staff and things like that as well. Turnover, that will be in there somewhere, but it's negligible, I think, when you're talking about players. Uh, Management might be a thing that's in there. But that year, when we got rid of players from 2018 to 2019, we got rid of Leuven's, Hunt, Wallace, Keane, Hurst, and Clare. So that means the average salary over those players, and don't get me wrong, some players will have been on more. I can imagine like Wallace and Hunt were probably the bigger earners in that, which is why we sold Hunt and that a lot. Um, Leuven's, obviously, we don't don't, don't know that, but um, they were all senior players. So you can imagine they were on respectable wages for the championship. The average wage across, across those, if you take the decrease from the year before, is 
60 a year after sorry is 16,000 pounds a week if you do the maths on that that's that's the average wage across six players so if you can see how getting rid of six players if we if we if and I I was kind of conservative with that estimate there if you think you can shed six players on 16k a week and get 5 million off the wage budget it is it is plausible that you can keep decreasing that budget if you are business savvy. You've got to remember, this is the first yeah. first time when Chansiri came in where you could see that the ship was beginning to sink a little bit and he needed to offload players. And you could actually see that we were probably paying players a little bit too much. If six players and three of those were academy players, right? Mm. So they can't have been on much at all. That's, that's a worrying sign of how high the wages were for our first team if we dropped five million in a year there. Um, the big factor in that, though, that I want to bring in as well, that makes it look a little bit better, is Rhodes went on loan that season. Is that when he went to Norwich for the season? Yeah. So if they paid all his wages and say he's on 25K, when he comes back into the 2020 figures, that adds another 1.3 million to the wage budget. So that's just a rough estimate. Like if we're just saying Rhodes might be on more, he might be on less. But if he was on 25K yeah. at that time, that's another 1.3 million. And that's what I want to say. Accounts can be so dangerous looking into them because they can mean so many different things when you don't know the specifics. You just get an overall feel for it. Um, the reason I said it might look a little bit better for the next season is I've pinned it down here and I've looked at the players we released in, you know, going into the 2020, 2019-20 season. We released George Boyd, Clark, Gary Hooper, David Jones, Marco Matthias, McCulloch Nielsen, Connor O'Grady, Daniel Pudil, Dan Wallace, Liam Williams. We sold Lucas Yao to Reading. We sold yep. Jordan Thornley to Blackpool. And we, uh, and we sold Ash sold Baker Ash to Baker. Newport. So if you think about the amount of players in there that were in and around the first team, we, we did do a bit of balancing of the books. That looks like the first year we actually did a bit of balancing of the books. Also, we released Abdi. Yes, we did. Sorry, money. he was at, he was at the top. Sorry, yeah, uh, Abdi was gone as well there. Yeah, he just wasn't in my formatting properly. So that uh, you would think that oh maybe twenty nineteen twenty the accounts are going to look better and maybe we've carried on decreasing that wage bill because the turnover is only twenty two million. We can't spend thirty two on wages. We need to bring that down. You know, so otherwise finance because you are allowed to make a loss, but only a thirteen million. We need to keep it in that range. It's really Go weird on. because you look at you look at this and. It's how I imagine someone who never played football manager goes about it and just signing everyone and then realizing they've got to balance the books and stuff. And then they wonder why the, their their yeah. financial rating, <laughs> good with finances, is in the red. Yeah. Yeah. Because the clubs just kept bankrolling it and going, You are gonna make us go into admin. Um The one thing I wanna say though is yes, that if you look at it from that aspect, oh, it'll be peachy, we'll bring the wage down bill down even more. We might make even without the stadium sale, which obviously boosted us because the stadium went down as I think it was 36, 39, Six. Yeah. 36. So that is a big offset. You think, right, we need to shift a good like another 8 million to keep it rapidly decreasing off that wage bill. However, I think we probably did reduce the wage bill slightly, but we did bring in Luongo, Berner, Harris, Adebajo. We also brought in Urugidi, but his contract was probably negligible at that point uh, in yeah. terms of the overall picture. If we learn our lesson by this point, the sales of Zhao and all the release players, if we signed those four, like Luanga, Bona, Harris and Adabajo, if we, if we did those with the rebuild 
and the the newer mentality of Chancery was a little bit more experienced at this time. If we look at it from that angle, then maybe the, the 1920 accounts will be a little bit healthier, but you've also got to factor in we loaned Murphy, Wick and Windass mm. that season as well. I'm Murphy, I reckon sh- we got a good deal on the Murphy one. I, because think we got a good, I think we got a good deal on Wickham as well. Yeah, I, th- I reckon actually we probably got those for next to nothing because they mm. wanted the players to go out. They weren't doing anything. Um, there was a lot of talk on the internet, as there always is, that there was um, concerns about Wednesday going forward because actually there's a segment in there that says there's actually concerns about the current financial situation and the world situation. And people were going, because it basically said that the club wouldn't be able to continue as a current business in its current model if there was no financial support. However, yeah. a lot of people were get, were ignoring the line, purposely ignoring the line to cause drama. I mean, we might speculate, but we're not trying to cause drama unnecessarily. They were getting rid of the line that it said that the, <laughs> that the owner was going to make the funds available. And this is the thing that I'd had all week from people saying, oh, get rid of Chancery. We sort it out, and then the Chancery is the only thing bankrolling the club at the minute. So you get rid of Chancery, you don't no one paying the wages. Whether, the, whether the you like him or not, understanding. exactly. I understand why you wouldn't like him. You could all say, "Well, he got us into this situation." Yes, he did. But if you want him out, let him clean up his mess first. Because if he does, if we don't get someone that can bankroll the club, come in, we are in a, we are in such a limbo state in Wednesday at the minute. And these have these have said it a little bit more. A lot of people and are he concerned. Had, and he has said he's looking for investment. He's he is. Looking for I, I to reckon come to he's trying to balance in. the books, make it a saleable asset, and go. Yeah. You know what? I've had enough now. I'm off. And I respect that because the because be- the best thing you can do is do that, right? Yeah. Balance the club and give it somebody else to have a go. If he's gonna, all, if he's gonna go, because it also means that any other business adventure he wants to do, he's not gonna have something like you put this business in administration. It yeah. doesn't look good if you want to start something else. Because he's still quite a young bloke in terms of his age and it's one of those things yes he got us into this mess but i don't think he wants to leave us in this mess because we don't have a milan that's going to swoop in again at the minute and people keep saying to me oh look at derby look at sunderland look at it's they're getting bought there's a difference though they are clubs at a decent price to get bought at there's a price chance here he wants to buy sell at and you've got you've got to hit the asking price. If mm-hmm. he wants to go lower and get, get rid of the club, then that's on him. But if he wants, say, it is 150 million, that's what he wants. And he, you've got to put in everything else, like the stadium and all that kind of stuff. 38 million, by the way, I've got on this. It might be around that, but I think I rounded it to 38 mm. million for selling the stadium. Um, and you've got to remember that, the, we'll give you the exact figures, well, rounded figures, which means we would have made a £90 million loss for that season without it, right? Without the sale of the stadium, which is why yeah. it's important. I do think he is resetting. Looking at the players releasing the sales, you look at the accounts, you can see why we made certain decisions. If you actually look at it, it's not as doom and gloom as people are making out. It is just a case of that was our period of like, okay, it's not happened. We've not got promoted. We've we've rolled the dice. We need to reel it back in for a couple of seasons now. And yes, it's been crap as a fan, but from a financial aspect, I can see I can see how things have slotted into place. I don't know about yourself, Jake. But I but I also think that's why you've seen us not get a lot of contracts sorted early doors, like we used to, where they'd be quite quick getting people in. I think he wants to he took his time with the manager. 
And I think it's going to take time with what get who want, want to sign a new deal as such. Because mm-hmm. there can be certain players that want to sign a new deal, but maybe don't want to do League One if we go down to League One. And I say if, because there is, you could still get out of it. We don't see it as fans, but we could still technically get out of it. There's still points there to get out. I don't see it. But if it does, then it puts us in a better position. It does. It, it, this, is, this is also one of those things that like, we constantly get asked about what's going to happen if we go down to League One. We talk about it every week, yet people mm. still ask us. I'm like, just watch the podcast. Listen to the podcast. Um, but that means financially, you look at the TV money, 8 million, 7, 8 million for the TV money million. is a massive thing to lose if you look at our current finances. The one thing about finances that we're interested in is also a little bit worrying if you think about we actually use this to balance those finances that year mm. is the confidential settlement agreement of £6,475,000. Now, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that if I allegedly say that the confidential settlement agreement was for Steve Bruce and his staff. Yeah, and I, I messaged you and went, Hang on a minute. Because it was, this num- it was reported at the time as four million, right? Yeah. That's possibly just for Bruce alone. I reckon hey, we- that's our best second high sa- selling ever. It's and there's a lot of new there's a lot of Newcastle fans who have read this and have gone, we paid how much? Yeah. You got his team. I reckon you got Bruce for four million. And I reckon you got his team for 2,475k. A bit of an odd number there, but I reckon yeah. you, got, you got that they were probably individuals that were added it, up rather than a collective. But to be fair, it was nice for us to do something like that on someone else and then it happened to us. Because yeah. the amount of time we've just that obviously we've had approached it, more as well, haven't we? So Yeah. I've put, um, given the way it's all played out, and uh, potentially I've still got some Newcastle fans from when we talked about the Bruce situation at the time. I want to know everyone's thoughts on this. How do you think it's played out for both both teams? Do you think it was a good deal for Wednesday? Because I can see this from different angles. Newcastle fans, let me know in the sides. comments, do you think it was a good thing for you? I probably know for your answer us, to that one now. For us, I think it could have been a, a bad thing because we could have had that stability. It was starting to build something. He brought in the lights of the author. He had good things. And he was starting to get something going. The way he left it didn't help us. If he said at the start of the transfer window, that he was going, then we could go, right, end of the season, fair enough, you tried your best, it's your boyhood club, off you go. A Newcastle side, they don't want, they didn't want him to start with a lot, didn't. A lot of them didn't want him to start with. I'm very good friends with uh, one of the YouTubers on here that does uh, Newcastle stuff, and he said he, d- he never wanted in the third place. He's a good championship manager, he's just not a good premiership manager. Premier League, you're going to have to start saying Premier that. League, yeah, yeah. So have. much grief. Um, it's, it's, I know it's negligible, but it, I've said negligible about five times today. I apologise. Um, but yeah, I think at the time, I still feel like the Bruce thing was the destabilisation of our club. Mm. Um, so even though it's six, six, that's a good chunk of change for, for that sort of move. Bill didn't in the help way. though. And the way he was poached. I think the timing of the move and the fact that we were left in limbo and the players that, actually seemed to want to That was play our for rebuild. Bruce. But mm. that was our rebuild season yeah, as well. That was. was meant to be the restart season. And I think there was a list of players who were ready to get in. And then that all went to mess, basically. It just didn't work, did it? 
No, we were all expecting that to be the rebuild season, a full season of Bruce in charge, get it all done and dusted. We go again. I was so positive in, the, in that summer. I remember that because mm. uh, it's different. It's a different thing. Obviously, Newcastle were gutted to get get him, and we were kind of like angry and gutted that he went because I think I'll be honest, he did keep. He has kept Newcastle in the prem, and obviously, it looks like it's going to be more of a challenge for that this season. But overall. It's been a case of, I think he would have been a very solid championship manager and he could have, we were in a position when Bruce took over to push the for push. the playoffs yeah. and push for promotion. Nearly got it. Even well. automatics. Do you know, when he came, yeah, when he came in at the back end of that season, we were so close to just creeping in the playoffs after an awful start to the season. It, it felt like that first season under Carlos where we went on that massive run just to get playoffs. Mm. And we all thought that might happen. It started to flip. Yeah. But you also heard back then things about things not being right behind the scenes, i.e. whatever it was. That's where we started getting cracked, that something not right. And it's where we started hearing more of that, wasn't it? About players maybe not being right or injuries or, you know what I mean? So, yeah, but he did bring in, he also did bring in um, the, is it Stru- I can't say his name, Strudwick? Tony Strudwick. Is he still here? Yeah, I don't know why I've just gone to you for pronunciation. I apologize. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> um, but uh, he did bring him in and he did, for a while, we did seem to have a better better injury sort of situation. Now it's I gone to crap again. But I don't, I don't think it's as bad as it has been, but I think you can't use this season as a proper tally for injury because they've not had a proper preseason. No, You've not had that true. chance to recover. This season is an anomaly in itself. What's annoying is like it's 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 a telltale sign as well. Injuries this season could send us down. But yeah, yeah. I think the Bruce Bruce thing at this it's interesting. Yeah, with our best play, some of our best players have been injured this season. But the Bruce thing, I think it's a good amount of money at the time because if you think about reinvesting it, but the way it destabilized our club, and you could say that it's just a coincidence. It was always going to happen. Maybe Bruce would have fallen off. I saw these players realizing that, well, this is a manager that's got so many teams promoted from this league. He's what he does. He gets yeah. teams out of this league. You and know. I think when we got third under Monk, we were still on that like little wind of mm. Bruce stuff going on. The biggest thing Bruce did was bringing the recruitment team. Mm. That's still here. Yeah. They're and still unfortunately, here. Unfortunately, we're, we're letting some of the players that were recruited in that go on freeze. But yeah, I want to yeah. know what. Because this is obviously a thing with uh, Wednesday fans and Newcastle fans. With Newcastle fans, do you wish you'd have gone elsewhere? Do you wish you'd have backed Rafa? I remember at the time, I was so shocked that they didn't back Rafa and then spent like, what's it, 40 odd million on Joe Linton and then he did yeah. nothing or something. And it's, yeah, interesting. You wouldn't give Rafa money, but you'd give Bruce money. Um, I, 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 I tell you I what, we'd have taken Rafa the other way. <laughs> yeah. I but never yeah. understood that. I think we got a good deal financially, but in terms of the way it destabilised the club for me, I think I think we'd have been better off with Bruce staying for a little bit longer. There is part of me that also sees that figure that maybe Chancellor was edging for about seven seven million. Maybe you know what I mean? he, was, he was he was he was trying to negotiate for it. He, he was to be fair, think... he was hardballing with my Kathleen. That's very hard to do. Well, when we got Murphy <laughs> the other way, I think they probably gave him us without paying his way without us paying any wages. Yeah. So that's possibly where that came in as well, because obviously uh, Bruce kept him around, and we obviously wanted him to stay. He had a great link with the club, but he did, probably he did something very well to do with Newcastle that deal. Well. well, he did say that he was he was trying to help us out. So yeah. um, even though he called himself the Devil in Sheffield. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, he, uh, it's probably not as good as I used to be able to do it. But Steve Bruce, interesting ones to talk about. Yeah. Let's move on. And another one, and more fan engagement, and it's the fan engagement panel. Um, we've got the notes. We heard the about. Here. Yeah. We heard about. And then suddenly, this week, it's like when they took on to the IT, like, like, we need to shove all this on the website in the next two days. Because I think this was like back to back. Yeah. There was so when it much. happened. <laughs> so um, we're going to start. I'm, I'm going to read it to you again because it's, it's interesting reading some of this because mm. we asked on the podcast um, probably a couple of weeks before this, we wanted this, went before more was appointed. We specifically asked Chancery this. So thank you whoever took this question and fired yeah. it at Chancery. I'm sorry, you don't really get an answer. I'll read it all out for you. So the question was, what is the short, medium and long-term plan for Sheffield Wednesday? Can the chairman outline his vision for the next five years and how the club plan to achieve this? So I'll read you the response and I'll read you what actually was said in the notes. DC opened by saying, please bear in mind the language barriers. He always does write words, misinterpreted, all of that. Paraphrasing. Moving to the first agenda point, DC said he addressed this situation in detail in media briefings and club statements, but was happy to reiterate. DC said football is a unique business with budgets made on a season-by-season basis, not the same as regular business. Planning too far ahead is very difficult depending on divisional uh, status. DC stressed that... Uh, I can't say it. (laughs) DV stressed that the current world situation has impacted (laughs) significantly on future planning regardless, not just at Wednesday, but future, but football clubs around the world. DC explained that the club did its best to push for promotion in 15, 16, and 16, 17, but fell short. So he had to step back and reassess. I like that bit. Step back Mm. and reassess. You definitely have to do that, especially financially. A rebuild process was necessary but there are no guarantees in football. DC said, of course, he is aware of the criticism of recruitment, but it's easier to judge any player with hindsight. Every player wants to give their best, and sometimes players prove not to be right for the club, and so, so sometimes they prove, uh, prove right for the club, and sometimes not. Football is not... An, uh, players can't just... I'll start that again. Players cannot just be let go if transfers do not work out. Football is not like normal business because contracts are in place. DC said they came to the close to the Premier League twice and the rebuild he basically repeated himself the mm. club had every club has the same ambitions but those with parachute money have the advantage and every sign is made with the best intention the football will always come first and the budget has to separate the day-to-day running of the club DC said in the back office he was always, he'll always try and improve the club back office level and every level where possible DC stated that revenues have been higher than any time in the past, pre-pandemic, and the club will always look at every which way to generate revenue. Regarding the stadium, DC explained its age, design, and location makes it difficult to facilitate particular improvements, but it will always improve areas where necessary and feasible. Where is that? The short, medium, (laughs) long-term plan for Sheffield Wednesday Football Club. There isn't. It's just him going, I said this before, but I'll say it all again. I've just said a lot of words. Some of you probably none zoned of, out, but like none of that says about a short, medium, long-term flight. We know you want to do best for the club, DC, but that's not an answer. And obviously, we weren't in the room, so yes. I don't know if he was pressed on that. Uh, but you've got to press him on that. You've got to be like, right, but what are we it, doing this season? It does what feel are we, like what are the plans for next season it, at the minimum. The line I I got that I like throughout all this is football is not like a normal business. Yes, we understand that football's not like a normal business. We're just happy you 
finally learnt that because for a period you did say this and you said so many times that you didn't say it. You had a Guy Fawkes interview who said, I treat the, the players like family and then you went back on it. In football, players are your sellable assets. This is what gets you revenue. The mm. one thing you've been really poor at, and whatever the reason, you hold on for players for too long. Or when an offer comes in, you don't go, well, I should sell him, but then I can reinvest. You automatically go, I want this money. If it's not that, I don't want it. You can't do that in football. If a good offer comes in, it may only come in once. And if that one offer comes in, you sometimes have to look at the big picture and go, you know what, that's going to fund my transfer budget for my next manager next season or in January, you can pick up someone else. I think, yes, he's slowly getting to grips how a football club works, if that makes sense, but it's it coming at a cost to the club itself. And the stadium, yeah, we know it's old. Yeah, we know it's not in an ideal position. The stadium bit makes me sound like he wants to sell it and relocate us. Yeah, you do. I don't want and that. I don't, and I, I don't know wh- where you would re- relocate us, though. I also, I, also, I also don't want that because it's, it's very convenient for me on match days at the minute. <laughs> so please don't do that. <laughs> but also, it's, I've been going there since I was little. As so yeah. Most people who are Wednesday fans listening to this podcast are. But, also, for, me, for me and my wife, we got married there. We literally call it church cool. because we got married no, there. Yeah, I used to always say I'm going to church, you know, whenever I go to a match and things like that. And it's just, uh, it's... It's a lot of identity. It's it's very difficult because that is where you find the lines of disconnect. But I wouldn't write. Get us to the Premier League before you even talk about doing anything with the stadium, yeah. right? Because you've still got one of the biggest grounds in the championship, potentially yeah. one, the way it's going. That's how well it's gone, Chad Siri. And the thing um, is, I don't want us to have a stadium where it's in an industrial park. I like mm. that the club is S6. It's based in Hillborough. It's Hill Stadium. The, the only thing that you, would be good, right, is, and I know this is going to annoy a lot of people, and I don't necessarily want this myself. I understand it, but parking is a nightmare, mm. right? And if we were a Premier League club and we ended up, the plastics come on board, right? Which happens. Yeah. We've seen it happen. That is the only time where, like, if we're starting to get, like, where we could fill it full of, like, 50,000 50, a week, right? that is where you start to go, well, we can't expand the stadium to that sort of thing. And we need to get somewhere with a big parking complex. Because I will tell you one thing, the one thing I did like about, even though it's not got much character or anything yet, and it's just a stadium. I've been to the Etihad a couple of times. Mm. um, And the parking there is ideal. Yeah. Well, you know, the whole Etihad, how they do it, with how they've got like the training complex around where the stadium is. I've always thought if we could buy Hill for Park and use that as a similar thing, but that wouldn't fly because Hill for Park would never get sold. Yeah, and then it'd annoy too many people if Hills for yeah. Park got sold. Um the, the the thing is if he does move it, there isn't anywhere in Sheffield to build. There there, there tra- is, but it's just not 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 great areas for the club, you know. It's it's difficult. I think He's been trying only, to move the training ground. This is this, this is the thing. The only way to really do it if you're going to expand that stadium is it's going to take a lot of money and it's going to take... You're probably going to have to demolish a, a couple of streets 
yeah. you have to take a few people's houses out. Now that's happened in certain situations. And obviously people will be, there'll be so much pushback against that. It's a rock and a hard place. And I get it. You don't want to lose you. If you've always lived next to the stadium, you don't want to lose your house next to the stadium. That's yeah. part of the buzz of it. But the, so, the people I know who have literally bought houses around there because it, they can yeah. say, oh, he'll buzz in my back garden. Yeah, exactly. You'd need to, you'd need to get rid of the streets because just off um, Leppings Lane side, you'd probably have to, you'd probably have to knock back there a little bit and, and go that way. Maybe I don't yeah. know. But also with, with the development that the apparently put like an Audi across the road where the uh, car park used to be that Wednesday I used to use that ground right. and now be, that piece of land has now been sold oh so we've got less parking right yeah. okay um yeah just thought we'd we, we obviously we got yeah. tangents it, it happens but it is to do with the club so just a couple of brief points in terms of ticket refunds if for some reason you've come to this podcast for that information he says he'll eventually get them even if he left the club which is an interesting thing to say but he mm. says that we we are committed to honoring the uh season ticket refunds but if he plans to stay around for a couple of years you might not be getting them for a while um <laughs> He talks a lot about outreach. We're not really going to go into that. The club does things and we do want to praise them where they do things in the community. Um, Go check all the talks out about that. It's all in the accounts as well, the outreach programs, things like that. I'm really proud of the club for doing that. We should be doing that. Every football club should be doing that. Brilliant. Talks about bringing Els in the park back as well is good. It's sort of been gone for two years. I do think that's an important thing. Um, It it doesn't feel like that long ago we were actually there. But then again, time's kind of just gone into a massive stasis chamber on it really last one was steve bruce saying he was i, I know we, we, i was there it was yeah, uh same. it was uh that was before I, we even spoke as well i yeah. think i remember how changes i remember my wife punching me in the ribs at hours in the park and saying he's off his body language says he's going it's interesting that i remember they had the owls display from the mm. sanctuary um, and I was being a massive child, and like this, this mother pushed it. <laughs> I was going to get me, me and me and Soph were there, right? And I wanted to. I was like, oh, you know what? I'll hold an owl. So I was stood there, like queuing, and this this group of like two mothers with the children just pushed in front of me and Sophie because they had children. And I was like, hold on! I didn't actually say. I didn't actually say that. I kind of just sort of like tutted and left. But I was like, just because you you've got British. a child that wants to see the owl. Like, I would like to, to, to see and hold the owl too. And I was not very, I was not very uh, happy at that point. It's in the vlog, actually. I think I, when I vlogged it that time, I was like, not having I this. I, I, I didn't put the people well. in, obviously. Yeah, uh, <laughs> we, weren't, we weren't too best pleased. But yeah, better days, those. Um, okay, so back into the, the business of the, we're still on the fan engagement panel. The question asked, who is running the club on a day-to-day basis with Mr. Chancery in Thailand and the absence of any CEO or COO? Who is making the decisions? Could these people be invited on a regular basis to answer permanent questions to future meetings? DC explained he has experienced he has an experienced senior management team with whom he has daily contact on the day-to-day. And the day-to-day decisions are made as a collective. DC makes board-level decisions. He stressed that he's working harder in Thailand and he would prefer to be here in Sheffield, uh, that he would here in Sheffield, same mm. thing. Uh, DC expressed his frustration at not being able to facilitate his normula, normal, normula. There's a lot of words there, I apologise. DC expressed his frustration 
at not being able to facilitate his normally regular UK visits given the pandemic. Um, and they talked about how the panel meetings had evolved over time with senior staff. Maybe yeah. that was one of the actions that was taken from it. As these meetings, they get actions, they get things that are going to be acted upon, basically. And that was in the notes that the senior staff that might come to these. About the running of the club, I do feel like he needs somebody in Sheffield mm. on a ground level instead of him doing it by Zoom or, or his group of people. Because I will say something though, CEOs it can be dangerous because. Mm. Um, I was speaking. I was speaking to someone recently uh, that was uh, telling me a bit more about CEOs at clubs, and obviously, I'm not obviously going to go into any details on that one. But um, Chancery keeping everybody on during this pandemic was a massive thing, right? Yeah, and, and keeping and people not losing their jobs. There's a lot of clubs that the CEO has actually made the decision to 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 be off ski staff basically and these are these are staff that have got families and, and are on not great wages anyway considering the well, the young lad who's 16 that's in the academy is on more than them you know well would, so, you, would you do what like first do so first have it that they've got an owner but then they've got a chairman kind of thing and do it that way well, yeah, he's the kind of ceo as well though any he? he kind of daniel he yeah, does bit. run everything with it but uh it's I would, I would say that if we can get the right person in, but I've never seen like if you watch any of the documentaries, Oro, they always come across. It is football as a business there. Mm. So if it benefited the club, I'd be for it, but just be cautious with CEOs. However, I think, I think, I think Chancery is pretty much a CEO. Yeah, because he's not got the football knowledge. What what Chancery needs is he needs he needs proper football advisors and sporting directors and things like that in place. He can do the CEO and the business side of it because Chancery is a businessman. He's not a football man. He's becoming yeah. a football man. But Be I careful think... what you say there because there's a lot of people who don't think he's a businessman, even though he is. <laughs> well, he, well, he, well, he is, right? If you, put, if you actually look at... He, he's a businessman. Oh, yeah. A lot of people say, well, no, it's his family. If, if you look at his business perspective, it might, in, in your opinion, he might not be a, a good businessman, and that's a fair one, there but he go. is a businessman. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, are there any plans for restructure and re-employment of middle management to help running the club on a day-to-day business? What's the long-term situation with advisors? Obviously, we're not actually talking about it. We didn't. Did we put Eric Alonso in this? We didn't, did we? No, we didn't. Looking to buy Derby. Maybe. Put it at the end. Maybe. We'll see. Um, we've got a lot to talk about today. So yeah. um, that is a bit of a chance, maybe, allegedly. So yeah, he's talk- He's just reiterated that he's he's looking f- to bring the best in for the club. You know, he's always brought in the people with the right skill sets. There's a lot of nothing answers in this. Um, yeah, he says we readily acknowledge the inherent unpredictabilities of running a professional football club. We also concede the effects of the pandemic and the uncertainty over league uh, our league status have blown off course any imminent prospects for a return to the Premier League. This is interesting for the future, by the way. For this reason. Oh, no. No, no, this wasn't Chancery. Sorry, sorry. Um, I've skipped ahead. This is what... Because um, I was like, hang on, this is way too transparent. <laughs> way too transparent. <laughs> this is what the panel at the end have said they'd want to see. So this is from their notes. Um, so they said all of that about the Premier League. So they've sort of accepted on behalf of yeah. the fan base that we ain't going to the Premier League. For this reason, we would like to see or at least outline a more clearly defined targeted development plan aimed at surviving the championship or a first season promotion from League One. That is what was asked and they didn't press it, right? Exactly. Or whatever. I, I want to know what happened in that room because that is the only question that was asked of any relevance, in my opinion. I've put in here that 
There's so many talk, and I get this about income streams, but it talks about what kind of beer do we want? What kind of cafe do we want? What kind of refreshments do we want at the ground? And that's the, that's the thing that Chancery has asked for feedback on. And I'm like, that is the least of our worries. And it just felt... I don't I- care what beer or what pie I can get. I'll have anything to be, it, within reason. It's honestly, because it says here, and I'm not, obviously, this... This panel have got to tread on fine ground because if they push Chancery too far, he could easily just push back. Yeah, exactly. And it's one of those, but it's like, regarding the match day experience, the panel has also put forward suggestions such as Beerjet UK uh, and the Yo-Yo app with ideas of video links such as Cafe Nero's award-winning payments and a loyalty app. Yes, that's all great for the business side of it. The main focus here is the one question that we all want to know as a fan base he didn't answer. So for me, I feel like this was... Oh yeah, great way of talking to Chancery, but he didn't tell us anything, you know. Um, and I would like, I would like more football-related questions to be asked towards Chancery because we've heard all of this before. And I understand this was the first panel meeting, and I think obviously the people there were probably in a very difficult situation. Um, but we need to make sure that the questions lined up are football-based. Basically, someone needs to step up and not give him any wiggle room, and and see if he either shuts the whole thing down. Or, you know, he actually answers it because I think he always... When we had the Sterling committee, people did give him a bit. Yeah, Yeah. when we had the... The The supporters meals and things like that. Yeah, and people did not let him wiggle out of stuff. And it got shut down and then you go to another one, that person would not be there. They wouldn't be invited back. Mm, That's the point. That's the issue. We're never getting (laughs) invited to one of these, are we? (laughs) Um, to be fair though, like I You rock it you rocking up with your pale ales ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like um I feel like we don't ever overly criticize. We're just we offer a criticism and we understand the other side of it, but we also I've never been a person in real life to just to just ignore things or you know just I, I can i also can say from a business perspective if something is what i don't like to hear i can acknowledge it but mm. i also think that like valid criticism should be valid and i think there's a there is a bit of a, a nervousness with general wednesday stuff to ask the questions and it that's just it, in general that's in it, it, the whole thing of like if you're a kid at school putting your hand up to ask the question mm. you don't want to just in case it's wrong or yeah. you're not allowed, you know what I mean? It's it's a strange one with Chancey because he is doing the right thing by having the panel there and talking to fans. Granted, yes, we didn't get picked for it. Fair enough, that is what it is. But there are people there on different things. There are different fan outlets and fan uh, community projects and stuff. I think sometimes with this one, you have to talk a little bit more about the football and possibly a little bit less about the business because we don't know the day-to-day runnings of the club in terms of money and stuff. And Mm -hmm. quite frankly, as long as the club's still there and it's still running okay and we're still managing to get by, I'm okay with that. I think sometimes the fans in a day with Twitter, we want to know everything. Well, yeah, it's You don't need to. It's one of those where, like... um... Also, Chancery probably doesn't want people pushing him because I think with with the case of 
he thinks that we'll abuse him, like and things like that. I see so one of those Wait, things that like do, do it, do it, there is there is of... there is that you know, and it's one of those where like we've always taken a massive stance on this podcast of any abuse in indirect or we've actually had people in our community say, well, oh yeah, you should be giving sure st- stick and say like things and and like if I can, if I want to give him stick on Twitter and stuff, we can't. And well, I'm like, no, we well, don't. Let's we put do- it, well, let's put it this way on the show thing. We're yeah. recording this on Friday. Today is Liam Shaw's birthday. The club put a tweet out saying, happy birthday, Shaw. Just do not look at some of the tweets on that. It's horrible yeah. what well, people have said. I, the thing that gets me right, and it gets me in general, is I, I don't buy into the football Twitter culture. It's also a case of like people say, why are you like growing in this way and you're not doing this and you're not doing this and you're not doing this? And I'm like, because I know, and I've seen it before, what brings abuse to people? And I want to kind of like have a safe criticizing uh, you know a safe place for criticism without abuse but too many people don't know where that line is and because they think well i'm a good person it's honestly the whole world situation at the minute is also a case of like well i'm not like that and i'm not going to go into too many things but there's a current situation um it's horrific situation where a lot of guys are turning around and going well i'm not like that so that's all right but that kind of attitude doesn't have any room for self growth or reflection because I also try and think of like how things are perceived on the other end. When people have come across to me and they've tried to throw some abuse at me or whatever, or they've just tried to like, maybe they don't, when I'm reading something on a screen, something might actually seem like it's to, to somebody saying it, they might say it in a joking manner, but I come across and it's, it, I read it and I don't hear their voice. I don't hear that. They don't think about how text. it's perceived. Exactly. And then there are some people that will just try and out and, abu- out and out abuse you. You can be a good person and still make mistakes and not see how you're perceived with other people. And, and the I- other thing is the internet, people think there's a animosity of being no one can find me on the internet. That's yeah. not the case. Like yeah. we had it during one of your streams where it was like, look, you're using Google platform. They have your information. Yeah. Don't be an idiot. Just be smart about it. No, well, it's 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 one of those, yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, YouTube's quite. Is there's a lot of tools we can we can keep things safe with, but that's why we're on this platform and why I don't mm. like trust Twitter as much and things because they're they're, no. they're not as good. They they do have stuff, but they're not as rapid with um with things and they're not as safe. You can actually be quite vile on Twitter, and it takes a couple of days to get anything sorted. And again, so, I know we've gone on a tangent again with this yeah. one, but I think it it's needs a part, to be said. It's a podcast, <laughs> you know, that's yeah. what happens. Okay, so this is a bit of the podcast where it might be a little bit... Um... Shall we just say, speculation warning. Yes, spe- speculation. speculation. However, we're not, spe- we're not bringing it ourselves. This is reported. No. Uh, this has mainly come... Uh, both of these links have come from Yorkshire Live. So, Sheffield Wednesday Wildman, Kadeem Harris... I got a what? Oh, speculation corner. Sorry. I just had a, a bloody Top Gear reference go in my head. <laughs> Halfway through that. <laughs> Don't worry. Are we, are we carrying on? Are we yes. carrying on, mate? Yeah, we're fine. Okay. I might even keep that in because that was funny. Uh, Sheffield Wednesday wine man, Kadeem Harris, has attracted the interest of a number championship clubs. We've been recording for quite a while. Yorkshire Live understands that Middlesbrough are big man admirers of Harris, whose present Owls contract expires at the end of the season. Borough boss Neil Warnock, previously worked with a 27-year-old at Cardiff City, could be a player mm. um, Wednesday after move on, if we have to rebuild in League One. Could we make a good profit off him? Probably not. Because he's going for free. I've just noticed you've put kid, you put a good profit off him. His contract's running out. Oh yeah, 
I, I, I let Jake I do the notes on this and I've read it. Wait, hang no. on a minute. I, I'm sure. Is he actually out of contract in summer? It's got to be. I thought he had another year left. Nope. This is going well today, mate. I know. I'm sure he had another year left. Tick. Tock. Tick. Tock. Tick. Tock. Okay, I'll take your word for it, lad. I it, thought we had it. Had honestly, I think left. I'm pretty certain his contract runs out. Um, because he signed a two-year deal when he came on. Oh, he did, didn't he? Under okay, Bruce. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So, yeah. it looks like, um, even though he left Cardiff under Warnock, that's what's mm. confusing me about this. So, if Why would he want him back after he didn't? Was it a case that the player wanted to leave and have a different change? Well, he wasn't getting game time properly, and a lot. Yeah. I remember at the time, a lot of Cardiff fans were like, "Why is he off? He's uh, he's got promise for us and uh, all of that." But I think it'd be a good signing for Middlesbrough. The, the problem is, though, I can actually you can probably see all these lining up, and even if they weren't, I can't. Kadeem Harris is one of our only outlets, so it's pretty mm. much written in Sheffield Wednesday nature that he's off. Yeah. You know. Um, oh. And it, certain players are off depending on what league we are in anyway, aren't they? Like, yeah. I think Kadeem Harris is definitely championship quality. He's inconsistent. That's the only thing with Kadeem Harris. But this season, everyone's playing for a contract with another club, pretty much. It's like usually they're playing for a contract with Wednesday. Now they're playing yeah. to impress other clubs. And Kadeem Harris is one of those. He's been decent for us at the back end of this season in a poor team. I could see him going to Middlesbrough. I could see him doing well under Warnock. Is he a Warnock-style player? Possibly, because he'd be the pace outlet to, because he doesn't use he doesn't use much in that way. But Warnock does occasionally use pace outlets and have that's his only creativity in his sides. So it'd be interesting we, to see. We know that he got a good cross on him. Yeah, that's one thing that we haven't utilized the entire time he's been here. And he can beat a man. Mm. I think I think Kadeem Harris is. Uh, is one that would actually be better for us to give him a short-term deal and just try and flog him, but it's not going to happen. Yeah. I've lost the will to live in terms of players staying with us now. And everybody every, right, everybody goes to us, well, he's not gone yet. This is just speculation. Of course it's just speculation. That's all that the press do, and we're also talking about it because it's linked in the press. And it's realistic. Kadeem Harris is one of the likely ones to go. Yeah. Another likely one to go is Jordan Rhodes. So yep. Jordan Rhodes could be off to... Again, linked with Cardiff. Linked with Cardiff, yeah. So Yorkshire Live understands the Huddersfield sound upon her in a summer move for the experienced striker Rhodes, who was also recently linked with Cardiff City. So he's, I could see the Huddersfield move happening possibly more than the Cardiff one because yeah. Rhodes would not fit a Cardiff side for me. He did well at Norwich, but Huddersfield... The, there's a link there. He wouldn't have to move too far. He's been there before. He's 31. He, he could best, go on a free. He had his best season. If they really. stay up and we go down, as much as I'd actually think that Rhodes is one of the players I'd want to give a contract to, I could see him going to... Ooh, that's interesting because a lot of people would say no. No, I'd want him on a much reduced deal, but I think Lee, I think he'd rip up League One. That's my... Mm. But then again, you've got Patterson, who would also probably do quite well in that league. So... I could see. What do you th What? Where do you stand on the Rhodes one specifically? Rhodes, I think for me personally, I think Rhodes is one of those ones where 
He's been here a long time. It's just not worked for him. There's certain players that it just doesn't work. And I think that's just what it is with Rhodes. I think we all wanted the Rhodes that we've seen at other clubs. Mm-hmm. And we called for every bloody transfer before he came. Said, oh, Jordan Rhodes is coming. And then when it actually did happen, I don't think anyone believed it. Mm. I think it's one of those players that it just didn't work. And yeah, whenever he's gone other places out on loan, he's done well. We come back to it then go back down again. I think I think there's just something there. I don't know if it would build up too much files of players or what. It seems like every every manager that come in has said he works really hard. He's a really good trainer. He's a good lad. Fair play to him. It just for some reason it's not worked out at Wednesday. I thought. I think it the thing is as well, he's also give us signs and glimmers that he might kick on and be the rose that he used to be. So like when he had that hat trick at Forest, at Forest. under Monk. Um, was it Monk? I think it yeah. was Monk. Yeah. And it was like, oh my God, he's even getting Rhodes firing. Rhodes might It was be like he's back. Yeah. And then he dis- he fell off. And then... We got that goal against Bournemouth this it, season. Yeah. It was it was under Thompson, wasn't it? Yeah. We uh, we had the... He, was sco- he scored like two goals in three games and we were like, okay. I think he scored in consecutive games actually as well. So we mm. were like, is Rhodes coming back? Is this the time we get Jordan Rhodes when we're on a relegation dip and maybe he keeps us up, but it's just not worked. And yes, yeah. the only reason I say maybe keep him around is because of League One. He'd, he'd, he'd be a good striker there, but we probably have other options that are going to cost us a lot less. So for me, yeah. I, I would be gutted because of the money aspect, but from an actual Rhodes aspect... I can see him. He'd probably go to Huddersfield and probably bag a few. He'd probably he's yeah. just he's never fit in with the Wednesday system as much as no. he should have, right? As much as he should have fit in with this club, he never did. And I think he's obviously gone out when he went to Norwich. He thrived. For me, the Cardiff move wouldn't work as well as the Huddersfield Town move, but you do need to provide him service. So if Huddersfield do get him. They need to make sure the wingers can cross it straight on his head because he is still that yeah. poacher he used to be. So, 31 years old, it'd be a good signing on a free. And I think if you bought him back up, but I don't think financially he's probably one of our bigger earners. We can't can really afford him if we go down. Whereas I can see him just jumping ship. And if yeah. we do go down, I, I don't think Rhodes will be with us. So, Huddersfield Town yeah. fans, Cardiff fans, if you're finding this, let us know what you think in the comments about him coming to your club. But no, it'll be a bit sad, but I could. I could live with it. What about you? About you, same thing there? Yeah, ditto. I think it's not worked, really. Um, and if you look at the play we brought in at the same time, a row with Sam Winnell, he's not really pulling it up for Oxford at the minute in League God, 1 yeah. or League 2, whatever it is. So it's like, I think I think it was one of those ones. We had Winnell and we are like, right, we're going to build a team around you. And then suddenly we managed to get Rhodes and that fell through. Yeah, there was what he was meant to be the player to build around, and then we managed to get the road deal done. And they're just two strikers that did not work together. It will be lovely though our club record signing and going on a free. So enjoy and your Huddersfield if you get. And our second club record signing going on a free in Adam H. Yeah, we're not hundred percent sure on that one yet. There's still contract talks mm. apparently, uh, but I, uh, I, I still think that's going to happen. So, so I put I put this in the show notes because we've had a whole situation of figures and finances this year. Yeah, this week, even this year. Uh, with financial fa- financial fair play doesn't work. And there are 
actual graphics that actually show wages go up year on year since 2013. So yeah, this topic, this topic, I let, I'm letting Jake lead on this topic as you can probably tell. He didn't even let me finish his sentence. Eager no. Beaver. Uh, yes. This is about financial fair play failures because we've been talking a lot about financial fair play. Um, I'm going to let Jake dive into this because he's got all the uh, groundwork for this. So as I've been saying, and I've said it all along, it doesn't work. It's a system that doesn't work. This kind of proves me right. Go for it, Jake. So if anybody knows uh, Price of Football, Kieran Maguire, the one that everybody seems to go for on the financial side of football, he's very knowledgeable. Even I think even the star had him on this week to speak to Joe Crane about our accounts and trying to explain it because those accounts came out and everyone was like, I need help. <laughs> we all went, we need help. Is it so, jo- Joe Crane, the parallel version, parallel universe version of Joe Cran? Like, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Carry on. Um, so they've got graphics here and can you find So Every time more money has come into championship, such as increased solidarity payments from the Premier League, it appeared to go straight out again in the form of higher wages. Note 2019 figures for Derby and us are the same as 2018's uh, account were not published at the time. They are now. So if you look in... 2013, it was kind of getting there, but the big jump was 2017, and there was a huge jump between the wages and the income kind of thing. And the big problem you have then, and that's the year we were really going for it, wasn't it? It was that kind of second chance with Carlos. Mm, yeah. uh, so we did spend a lot of money. I think we got Fletcher in, in that in that summer and kind of thing. You got roads in. We got reach in. So we did our income and turner wasn't great, but it slowly came back down again on income coming in. But wages were still high. Now it is starting to shift a little bit due to the ongoing current events events in the world. I nearly said the word, but. It does seem odd that EFL introduced financial fair play in 2013 and there haven't been any improvements in the championship to control it. Everyone keeps spending more money. Mm-hmm. And, and I just, don't know and just, They're rolling the dice and just going, oh, we might get financially put. But it's not, it's not stopped anything, right? Because at the end of the day, it just doesn't work. Now, and you, either, you either let owners spend what they want and go for it, or you don't. And that minus six is going to relegate us. Mm. I mean, we'd still be in a battle without it, but I bet you when we get relegated, six if, points would have saved us. If we get relegated, I'm still being positive. There's still enough games to get out of it. I don't think there is. Then again, this is going up after the Norwich match. Watchers have smashed Norwich 5-0. That's not going to have happened. It's before the Norwich match, after Norwich match, depending on when you're watching it. It's going to be a long one, this what, one today. What, what dream have you been having where we smash Norwich? I don't I don't know. Well, we've, we we only perform against good clubs, apparently. True. Um, everyone well, else... I be- I'd like to know what other people think about financial fair play and how it is. Yeah, it'd be a good it'd be a good opening topic. We're definitely gonna. It, honestly, I don't even think that'll be a breakout this week because there's so much to talk about. That uh, let us know in the main co- uh, podcast comments about financial fair play. Do you think it's unfair to some teams, unfair to another? I know I got asked about um, Wednesday's situation and why I think that Wednesday can go. It's from a Birmingham fan actually. I've not replied to you, mate. Sorry, I probably can't find your comment now. I might still reply to it. But he said. Um, 
I just want to know about the... Uh, I don't really know much about Wednesday's thing, but you said that you'd have a blank checkbook next season. I was like... Yeah, I was I was exaggerating a little bit, but Wednesday's situation is a grey area because we were punished for the wrong season. So we usually yeah. there is something in play where you can't like make another loss. You've got to still you've you've still got to be careful the next season. But because we've we're a year out from it, it's actually resettles on the three year yeah. loss sort of thing. And even though you can't make the one year I think there is some misconception. You can't make more than thirty million loss a year or do the 39 million over three years. There is a way you can consolidate it, but it does tally in the three-year thing. A lot of clubs mm. are getting, as you can see, a lot of clubs on that graph are getting away with it by spending a lot in one year and balancing it out as well. So we'll We see. also don't sell players, which helps. Helps massively, doesn't it? <laughs> Talking about not selling players and actually uh, getting rid of players without selling them. Um, oh, and I didn't see that, yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to talk about this again. But people were saying that, like, so is he actually gone? Is it actually official? Yes, we said yeah, it two gone. weeks ago. And we said it was going to happen. And everyone was like, oh, well, it's not official. Why are you saying it's going to happen? It's definitely going to happen because there's still a chance. There's not a chance. We knew there wasn't a chance. We knew it's a formality. Yeah. From SWFC.co.uk, Sheffield Wednesday can confirm that midfielder Liam Shaw has signed a pre-contract agreement with Scottish Premiership side Celtic. Now, this is the interesting part, right? We are currently investigating this matter and will consider if there are any further steps available to protect this club's interest. It was not our intention to place this development to the public domain out of the respect to all parties concerned. However, we were contacted by Celtic, informing the club of their intention to formally confirm this development, which was revealed by the former Celtic manager in a media briefing. Both clubs exchanged statements in an advance of a coordinated release, but Celtic have since ceased correspondence to this end. Shaw remains a Sheffield Wednesday player until the expiry of his current contract and will be available for selection for the remainder of the season. We will not make any further comment at this time. That Le- sounds to me like Celtic made their approach before January. That's Is the that only thing I can think of said? because that's the, the-, the way international law works with, because it's not international, right? It's Britain, but um, <laughs> Different league law, right? In in um, different nations' leagues, you can approach a player within six months of their contract. So when it hits January, you can do that. I don't. You don't really hear about it happening that much. Well, I've never really heard about it in the championship with players going oh. to the Scottish Prem. So it's never really been a prevalent issue. I think Scottish uh, Prem fans, Celtic fans specifically, will go, "Well, that's always happened to us," you know. Um, but going the other way. It is a bit of a grey area. Legal action against Celtic, though, is what is being hinted at. So The only thing I can think is he wants more money in compensation. Yeah. Shaw's... Shaw's right, we'll read you Liam Shaw's statement. So Shaw has said, First of all, I would like to thank everyone at Sheffield Wednesday, the owner, the staff, my teammates, and especially the supporters. After discussing the options with my family, I have decided to take on a new challenge, and so I've agreed to join Celtic, and one of the most famous and prestigious clubs in the world... On July 1st, until the last kick of a ball of the final game of this season, I will continue to give my all for Sheffield Wednesday and help my teammates. I work hard every day in order to make my family proud. I'll always give everything 
in training and in games. I'm determined to contribute as much as possible to the team so we have a successful end to the season. Sheffield Wednesday is a massive and brilliant club and I'm extremely grateful for everything the club has done for me. The club will always be special for me as I grew up as a fan and nothing can change that for me. In the end, I've based this decision purely on football aspects by joining Celtic next season. I will fight for a place in a team challenging for titles, trophies and play in Europe, which is something I've always dreamed of. I am determined to play at the highest level I can possibly achieve in my career. I thank Celtic for this amazing opportunity, which is impossible for me to turn down. Right. We've t- I've talked okay. enough about Liam Shaw and his intentions as a Wednesday fan. Yep. Celtic fans, we re- uh, obviously, I've got a great deal of respect for Celtic. Um... You, you know, there's only right two big clubs in Scotland, in my opinion, in that regard, and they're the only ones that can compete. And it's one of those. Um, I can see why Shaw would want to go to Celtic. I get that side of it. I've always yeah. got that side of it. I'm just interested in the fact that Wednesday are actually seeking legal representation because it is a feel like, has he been tapped up before January? Is that's, that a case? That's all I can think of. Like, all I can think of is the, that. He's been spoke to his agent or him, him and his agent have been spoke to November time when he was starting to do well and mm. stuff and going, oh, if we're interested. And that all DC wants more compensation. I, it, this is a bit where football is football. Just let it be football and move on. Don't yeah. drag it. Yeah. We are very good at dragging things out when there's no need. <laughs> no. Um, Good luck to him. I wish him all the best. Am I gutted he's going a little bit because he's a good talent, but it's football. Players yeah. come and go. And also, I have been making a few jokes this week uh, with uh, it's only good fun, Celtic fans, but the uh, Rangers 55 thing because uh, you have got Celtic links yourself, haven't you, Jake? So yes, I, thought, I have. I, could, I couldn't do football without uh, making the odd the odd reference and the odd joke. But yeah, it's uh, it's definitely becoming more of a a two club league again, isn't it? Mm, that league. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how, how Celtic. It'll be interesting, it'll be interesting who Celtic bring in. Yeah. Their manager. That's, we have the, thing no I, idea yet. that's the, the thing I'm interested with and to see how Celtic readjust. Cause obviously Gerard's done really good things with Rangers. He's sort of rebuilt that mm. club. So it'll be interesting to see if Celtic can do the same sort of thing. I've been speaking to some of their fans um, about, Liam Shaw's playtime because they still say we still know nothing about him can you tell us and I'm like he's still played less than 20 times for us and he's got two yeah. red cards so is it is it three no it's two isn't it? it's two red you cards get, yeah you one at Bournemouth at home and then that one yeah yeah it just feels like three because we've no. spoken about him so many times he's honestly he's in about five matches he's looked like he could be an absolute baller right in the future if you want my honest opinion Celtic but He's not your Scotty Brown replacement, if that's what you're thinking. He's not going to... If 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 what I've heard about Celtic's youth development is correct, in terms of, like, they've already got a load of youth players they're not playing, Yeah, I don't they, see well, how they he... Well, they've got a load of youth team players who are leaving, the only they're thing, not playing. The only thing is, I can imagine that he's been given first team or, uh, start, you know, squad, um, being part of the matchday squad assurances, because, I don't know, I, I still feel like... There is a there is a time for a nineteen year old to even drop to League One with like Wednesday and get and play a full season with your boy or club and actually, you know, become a footballer and learn. Whereas he has played under twenty threes for a long time, 
You know what it screams is, and it screams of what Wendy's done before. It screams of the hurt and Claire. Yeah, I, I don't even want to go down that as- aspect again because we've talked about it on every every breakout yeah. to do with Shaw, and we it doesn't need to be spoke about. But what I I genuinely think that I was thinking the other day, like this for me seeks a, a move that will set Shaw up probably for life if he if he if he is like a a mild mannered guy and wants to set is this could be a big deal at Celtic and it could set him up for life and he could break into that side. For me, I want to look at it from the other side. Do you back your ability that much if you take a big money deal, if you feel like you couldn't get that deal if you stayed at Wednesday for another season? Because I don't think you do. Because I feel like if I back my ability, I could still go down to League One with my boy or club and still feel like I could get a deal like this in the future. But I do understand why you take it now. Do you know what I mean? It's one of the... There's the two sides of it. Does he back his ability thinking he can get into that Celtic squad? Does he back his ability thinking he could actually compete when the going gets tough with Wednesday. You can, I want to offer devil's advocate there because uh, yes. I'd like, I'd I always like to think there's a cha- there's a challenge in both. Realistically, if I, if I took the Wednesday love out of it, would I take the massive payday at Celtic? Yes. If I was playing for any other club than Wednesday, but then again, I'm on a Wednesday podcast, so that's going to, going to be an element to it. But yeah. It's official. He's going. He's official. We have said this. Will we get more on the, more than the 300k, Mentioned, we will see. Now let's look back with some fondness at a man who who was hounded out of the club eventually, but was still loved by a mass proportion of the fan base. Four four two. We're talking to Carlos uh, Carlos this week. I can never pronounce his his second name properly. Carlos Carvalhal. That's even worse than I was going to do it, Jake. Carvalhal. Yeah. It's Carvalhal, Carvalhal, isn't it? Like that. <laughs> I appreciate this, you trying. Right, I, I I will say this: this is where all the pronunciations and names went downhill for me when Carlos came in. You brought in all these players I couldn't see. I was all right when we had Smiths and Careful. Jones and Johnsons. You're starting to sound very Brexit. Chill out. I know. I'm not meaning to, but. <laughs> Carlos exclusive on Sheffield Wednesday. I'm an owl forever. My intuition says I'll return one day. Spicy headline. Speaking exclusively in April 2021. In the April 2021 issue of 442, available to order online now. I don't know why I've just plugged them, but it, I'm reading from their, <laughs> I'm reading from their quote. <laughs> the Portuguese discussed his two years in charge of the English club and the love he has felt from Wednesday supporters since. <laughs> I think they miss me, but that's a reciprocal feeling. I've said that I'd like to go back in the future. My intuition tells me it will happen one day. I'm an owl forever. And those sort of situations I'll carry with me for the rest of my life. I saw them at matches a couple of times last season and was pleased to meet them. After all, no one visits a person they don't like. Our idea was to do things differently, to avoid a typical English style and break away from the past. In the beginning, we struggled a bit, playing more long balls that we wished than we wished uh, that led to negative results. That's talking about how there was it was a bit rocky to start, and you know, in this in the. Uh, First season, we got sixth. Where yeah. actually, if we'd have been a bit more consistent, we could have probably got all our mics that season. It was an interesting league. Mm. Um, eventually, the players absorbed what we wanted. We reached the championship playoff final in the first season, <laughs> and then we finished fourth. We had full control. We had full control of the club. Not even a roll of toilet paper was purchased without my knowledge. That is interesting <laughs> because that says how, if that's true, how if Chancery trusts you, you can have that yeah. relationship with him. But I feel like Carlos is the only manager who's had that relationship with him. Oh, yeah, he is. He's the only one. Why do you think that is? I don't, I don't know if it was a case of first 
Fuck. First in fifth for first love. DC. First love. It was, his fir- it was his first appointment as a manager. Mm. And it worked so well. I, w- I wonder if that first season where he saw what he could do and then, because you've got to remember when Carlos came in, we were all like, who? We all looked, he had 11 clubs and like, well, this ain't going to end well. Yeah. We, we already were saying that. I mean, that we're owls, first. so we go, yeah, a lot. I won't do that ever again. <laughs> I apologize. I'm going to go and put myself in the bin. I mean, right. This is the longest we've ever recorded a podcast for. And I ran out of water a little while ago. So this is going rogue now. Um, I'm also eating a massive pizza tonight. So I'm not eating throughout that. So I'm ca- well, I'm currently running on fumes. Go on. It's, it's, it's very interesting that you got given full control of everything. Mm. If... You want that with Darren Moore, you need to give him the same relationship you have with Carlos with Moore so he can run it all. And that looks like what they're trying to develop there. Could you see Carlos ever coming back to this club? Because he obviously talks about his intuition says it's going to happen one day. Yes, I could, but I'm always not a big fan of club uh, manager coming back to clubs he's already managed. Why? Chelsea won the league when they brought Mourinho back. They sacked him again, but they won the league. Yeah, Yeah, but that worked. If it doesn't work, you're then known as the manager that came back to try and rekindle it. It didn't work. Yes, but isn't it also worth a try if a manager's got a good rapport? And it's kind of like one of those situations where if you're in a relationship, um, not speaking from personal experience here, by the way, in, in any of my past relationships, but like if you leave one past relationship and then you get in another relationship in your past as well, and you realise that actually there's some things I took for granted in the first one. And you learn as you go on. Do you know what I mean? And then you, then you obviously all them break down, and then you find fair, you find what you want in life. So Chancery might be finding what he wants in life and what he wants in a manager. And if you actually look at what Carlos had gone and done, he's had a very good time after, apart from the Swansea thing. That was a bit. You can you can work. also but you can also look at it from the fan perspective, right? When I was talking about that that, that relationship link there, we have had such crap since Carlos left. And we at the time thought we were in a really crap situation and then you actually pile on more crap. It's kind of like, oh no, come back. You were actually great for me, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And it's it's difficult to see because I remember I was one of the people that I think I think I rang in to Football Heaven when Carlos was sat and I said, yeah, first time and only time I ever did it. I ever did it because I was bored and I was still a student (laughs) at this point, I think. And um. Uh, back when Rob Staten was there as well. And I think I spoke to, to him about uh, just like, I feel like, even though it's sad, I feel like it's the right time for him to go. And I did feel that at the time because the way the fan base had turned on him, I hated it when our fan base turned. I still hate it mm. when our fan base turns because it's not nice. And it had turned on Carlos, if you remember at the time. Yeah. Um, and that I just felt like... the press conference with the £20 note. Yeah, I was in that situation though, in in that mind space of like, well, we've got this far. We're kind of like we were becoming entitled Wednesday there, you know. We were becoming like, well, we can attract a big manager and go up now. Well, we, I didn't we see the, that. I didn't, I didn't see Joss coming. <laughs> <laughs> who saw that coming? <laughs> I was Not like, oh, bit. this guy Carlos. This guy, we, and do you remember when Joss came in as well? We went, oh well, you know, <laughs> it's worked with Huddersfield with Wagner coming from that uh, sort of background, and we we trusted you know the, him with you know Carlos. The only, you know, the only thing I liked about Joss, he let knew Hugh getting that hat trick versus Norwich City on the last day of the season. Yeah, 
You're, you're just trying awesome. to rip open the wounds currently, I aren't you? Bringing up new you and everything now. You're just going for it. But yeah, it's nice to hear... We don't Car- want you back. <laughs> it's nice to hear Carlos talk about uh, good times. And I remember, uh, new you also played a lot under Carlos. He did. Um, and Carlos was the right kind of manager for where we were. He did a lot of things with us, and I think we have seen the cracks in it. But... I've got to present the side that is going to get mentioned in the comments. So the people who have not watched this all the way through and have just commented straight away, Carlos did contribute to our injury factor. He did he did have full control of things and there was some mismanagement in there as well. And it did leave us in a slightly uh, rebuild phase after that. But then again, you've got to realise that every manager does that. When they come in and put their stamp yeah. in, the next manager is not likely going to be a like-for-like replacement that no. can just slot in and use everything that the way the club was working before. So I'm not surprised that that it, was I the situation. I think if Carlos came back, he'd get fully backed again by Chante if he knows what he can do. Mm. And I think the fans, for the most part, would back him. Yeah. Like, I told you... I, I want to give Darren Moore a chance, obviously, and everything. Up we just, until it, more came, I was hearing that there was an agreement in play for Carlos. Well, he was in back. Sheffield as well, weren't he, and everything. Mm. And it yeah. was... Um, I think I don't know though because isn't he still at Braga or am I making yes, that up? Yes, I think why, he is. Why would he? He's doing really well at Braga. I don't know why. And that's he's... a boyhood club as well. Yeah, I think I do think he will be Sheffield Wednesday manager again one day, but I think it might be a case of uh, what the only way I could see it happening in recent in the recent future is if we go down with more, right? More brings us back up, but then struggles to push us higher than mid table. Yeah. And we st- and we're in a position to reset and do it again. That would be a hell of a story, right? The manager comes back and finishes what he started, but um, it's a bit romanticised, isn't it? But it'd be interesting to know what everybody thinks about the uh, Carlos link. But I like the man. I always liked the man. I thought he had a pers- he had a personality more than other managers, and obviously we saw that when he was on. It's almost like he only started to exist when he went to the Prem. Both doing a couple of times, he was always very courageous and had time for you. And even if it was a quick five-minute chat, he'd seen you in town, he would speak with you for five minutes. I tell you what, podcast guests, Carlos would be up there. So uh, oh, yeah. if, you, if you are listening to this, Carlos, by any chance, uh, come on the Talking Wednesday podcast. We would love to chat to you because, especially in my lifetime, the best two seasons with Wednesday. Yeah, so there's a, lot, there's a lot of positives in there. And I would eventually, obviously I'm backing more fully, but eventually, if, if things weren't to go right, I could I, I would happily welcome him back at the club. Now we've seen what can happen after the fact and you can go through more turbulent times. But yeah, I just yep. thought it'd be an interesting topic um, to bring up because he had that interview. We've only just got to community topics. Um, oh, we're an hour one, and a half on the record. No, yeah, yeah. However, we are, we are probably going to... We'll probably be only about an hour and 15. There was a lot of waffle in the middle. So uh, we'll, uh, we, were t- we were talking about quite a bit that well, we actually had to set some things up. So, still going long. This is probably our longest podcast ever. Community topics. The first one is from YouTuber. YouTuber? YouTube sub. <laughs> Bloody hell. My brain today. Steve White. Can we eligibly field two goalkeepers if we only have nine outfield players? I mean, Joe <laughs> could take the right side and Cammy could take the left and take it in turns for down the middle. Think we'd be unbeatable for the remainder of the season. Wouldn't mind sacrificing any outfield player for Cammy and Joe keeper connection in the goal. I, they complement each this is I know Steve I know Steve as well, that's really funny. They'd complement <laughs> each other too, as the mistakes one makes can be rectified by the other. <laughs> Hey. Now, we're not trying to slam on 
Cammy and uh, Joe there, but that was funny. I right. like that. That was that was funny. We like to laugh in the community topics, and that is definitely one that made me laugh. Um, I have never actually looked at the football rules to see if you can. I'm pretty no, sure there's a rule in there that you can't play yeah. two keepers, but I've never looked. And if, and if there isn't, Darren... <laughs> I mean, sometimes it's like we're playing with 10 men anyway, so just, just put... Um, two in goal and we'll be fine actually to be honest we've had so many red cards this season we have played with 10 outfield players so mm, just stick two in the than, goal yeah. and we're sort we're probably be, this is this is the tactic now the next uh community topic is from pat Mo, uh, motley early shout outs to player of the season this is a difficult one given our circumstances but even though he's missed a fair few chances of late callum patterson would be mine go on jake you can give yours first uh that's actually a good shout with Patterson. He he does work well. Um, up until he got injured, it would have been Longo. It'd be a, a off were, for me up until he got injured, but yeah, I get you. It's interesting. We've both gone for up until he got injured. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but Patterson's a good shout considering he's trying his best. He is, uh, there's some chances that he could put away, but... It's difficult. I'd go with that. It's a hard one with this season because you don't great. know who to... Now, for me, because we've only just seen him play and if he keeps up this consistency, for me, it's probably Origidi. I knew you were going to say that. Yeah. If he keeps and up this a... level of consistency because he slots in at right back and centre back. Yeah. He uh, he seems to get on with it. Also, with an update from last week... Um. Even though we were obviously speculating him on leaving and clubs interested, he has said that he's not he's not talking to any clubs at the minute. He's not he's he's keeping his head down for now. Um so he's not drawing his focus at least. And uh, you can see it on the pitch with Aragini. He's mm. uh He's a workhorse. The sad thing for me, I will actually be quite sad if he goes because I can see potential in him in and it's funny, I can say people are going, he's average. He's average. He's average. He's better than any other other fullbacks, and he's got potential, and he's young. And in the position we're in, I can see. I like to think that occasionally you can see potential in players, and I think I can see quite a bit of potential in Irigidi, and I think a lot and of other is, clubs can too. And this is the other thing: with players like this, you sign them on two, three-year deals, and then you watch them improve, and then you sell them on for a higher price, even if it is the detriment. Yeah, you don't want to ballot the box. Yeah, and if it is true, and it isn't on very much. There is still a chance if uh, we offer him a big contract. So, Wednesday, do all you can to keep him for me. They might be a bit loyal to that because we took him when no one else did. No, yeah. Um, We've we've, we've obviously said that before We've said that before, yeah. Um, But yeah, Pat Motley, thank you very much for that. It's interesting. We'll we'll probably do a uh, season... Well, we will. We'll do a season wrap. We'll probably do another... We've just survived episode or a relegation episode. And then following that, we'll probably be like our season's awards uh, Either way, it will involve a drink. Both ones. Indeed. Indeed. (laughs) Right. We we glossed over this one last week. It's from Phil Carpenter. And we were going to do it. But we were running a bit long last week, and we're running even longer this <laughs> week. A bit like this. But I'm not, I'm not delaying it because we've done it, right? Yeah. Dex and Jake, seeing as we are all having a moan about management and players, how about picking the team that should be out there, getting us out of this mess? Assuming all players in the squad are fit and able, what starting eleven would you go for? Mine would be a three-one-four-two formation: Westwood, Irigidi, Dunkley, Lees. Eorfa, sweeper in the fr- uh, front of the back three. 
Harris, Bannon, Brown, Reach, Windass and Rhodes up front. We would probably still get beat, but it would be interesting to hear people's views as we are all great managers and we know it. And we know it all. It might help us realising realize the difficulty facing Darren Moore and make us think twice before having a pop at him. Keep up the good work, guys. Uh, Ryan Big Boy Bruce on Twitter also asked the same, but flipped it with our current side. So we've done both for you, treating you yeah. today. We have looked at both of them. And there'll be a slight cut here as I now will put up, we're going to look at Jake's team first. So when we come back in a, a split second, we're going to, visual uh, watchers are going to benefit most from this. We will audio describe it for our audio listeners because it is a podcast. But if you're ever going to go over to the visual one, have a look now as we get things up. Okay, so on screen now, you can see um, Jake's team you. for what we are going to. We're going to start with the team if everybody's fit. Right. So I assume... That is the 3-3-4 three, oh, three, wide. so interesting. 3-3-4 three, three, wide one. Yeah, I can see it now. Yeah. So as you can see, also, this will be up on screen. This is Jake's team. Talk us through this a little bit. So you've got Westwood in net, which is obvious. I put Hutch in the centre of midfield. I think that's where he needs to go. Now, the Van Aken one, I couldn't see anyone really in there. I could have gone with Moses Adebayo, but sometimes it doesn't work. It's a weird one. We don't have a left back, right back that naturally fits, even though Moses Adjabayo is, if you know what I mean. Mm. This is a 3 one uh, 4 two. Mm. Uh, I've got Iortha playing as in front of the midfield. I think that's where he's better at. I've got Longo and Bannon in midfield with Jay and Harris on the wing. Go on. Uh, is this, oh, is this, oh, they're not full backs. Are they, is this a back three? This is a back three, yeah. Right. You've got Green and Harris working as getting back. Yeah, it's the way you've spread it, right? Yeah. Um, it confused my brain for a second because <laughs> back threes are usually compact together. So this isn't what I've just said. This Green and Harris are your fullback, uh, wingbacks. Yes. Right. So this is a... This is this is a five at the back technically, but it's not. Mm. It's a it's a three at the back. So, image this. So he's got Van Aken, Hutch. I was like, why the hell is Van Aken at left back? Um, he's got Van Aken, Hutchinson, and Palmer as the centre backs. Then Green and Harris as his cover wingers. Yeah. So explain yeah. a bit, a little bit more about that for me. Go on then. So for Green and Harris, Green. Even though we haven't seen much of him yet, I think he's quite quick to be able to get back and do that defensive work. And we've already seen Harris play this this season. Mm. He's already done bits of this way. He's had to cover and he's done okay. If you know what I mean? I think yeah. them bombing forward is a really good one, especially with Green itself. I think Green is one I really want to see more of once this Achilles is fixed. I've got Iorfa in front of the back three. Yeah. Now, I prefer Iorfa in front of that back three. I think he worked well. When we were testing him there, there's there's a position there that he knows and he can get back and come back and be a defender if need be, if you know what I mean. Yeah, no, I do. I've gone for Bannon and Longo in midfield because I thought when they were in, they worked really well. Interesting, I've gone for Windass and Patterson up top because there is a partnership there already brewing, if you know what I mean. Yeah, no, I get it. It's got one's got pace and one's got the uh, scrappy power ability, so I can see why that would work. 
Even I, though I, I didn't say there was no pace. I did. Uh, yeah, you did. We'll forget about that one. That's quite a decent team because um, I've not seen Greek. I've not seen enough of Green to tell me he can do that job at covering fullback, though, you know, wingback sort of thing. Um, attacking wingback, he's definitely great going forward, but I'd need to see more of him to say that he'd be that for me. Then again, I think I might have done similar on one, so we'll see in a second. Um, I like your midfield. I like Aorfa in front of that back three. Van Aken, obviously, would have been great. We know he's going, um, but it, yeah. it was obviously a case of if this season's fit, what would it be our start in 11? That's interesting. Mine isn't the same. We thought we'd, we thought we'd line up quite well. Mine is different. You can see mine now. I've also gone for a three at the back. It's a bit different. It's, I've got Westwood in net. I've got a back three of Borna, Iorfa, and Dunkley, right? Right. And if you can see that, I've actually given them the... I've not actually... For, for Borna, for me, is more of a no-nonsense centre-back. I've not put him as one. Uh, but but uh, Iorfa would be my ball playing centre-back, which has the licence to roam because he is good in front of a back three as well. For me, what I want to see is I want to see Borna and Dunkley covering Iorfa as as a back two, obviously a normal centre-back pairing. When he goes forward with the ball, they slot in that position and they can kind of like, I'm going to give Dunkley a slight licence to overlap if he wanted to Mm. because I think Dunkley's quite good on the ball as well. But I think Borna and Dunkley... And they offer in that centre back uh, three would be ideal for me because I would feel, then feel comfortable if he offer wants to go on a run and link up the midfield uh, with because Dunkley and Borner Dunkley's so vocal Borner would be yes. great with him next to him I think and Westwood in there would have been perfect at left back I've got reach because I still feel like we've got so much ability going forward in the actual squad now in terms of the wingers that reach has got that but he could overlap with Green for me on the left hand side. So if you took Reach, who's not the paciest, but he's got a hell of a cross on him, he could actually switch up the play and get it to... I've put Harris as my uh, right winger. You could actually swap the ball to Harris. So these. Yeah. So I've played with, obviously, three at the back with the, uh, with the, with the uh, wing backs, and then I've got a midfield two and then a front three. You'll notice this is very Liverpool as well. Uh, but it's a case of I like the idea of Urigidi being at that right wing back slot because he's got he goes forward as well. I've basically gone for an overlapping wing because that wing you could see them doing both jobs. Harris can track yeah. back as well, but they can go forward with it. And then I've put Patterson at the top because Patterson He's actually, he's not the slowest. He's not obviously the paciest player, but he can scrap in there. And for me, he's that style of player that can then go in and then we can actually focus a lot of our attack through Green and Harris and let Patterson be the striker that's in there picking up the pieces, you know, and linking it up. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then you're, you're overlooking the mid. So yes, I am looking to play through the wings there, ideally. But my plan B, you got to have a plan B. And that's why I've lined this team up for that here is Bannon and Luongo in the midfield because Bannon is box to box. If we decide to go through the middle, Iorfa decides to take it out. He's got options. Do you put it to reach to Urigidi? They can start the attack. Or do we go through the middle and do we go with Bannon? Iorfa, give it to Bannon. Let's go box to box. Mm. Luongo, if the players, if the opposition players recover possession, Luongo, be the ball in mid- midfielder. Get on it. Get back into the play. Lay it off to Bannon. Let him do that through the middle. Okay, so for me, there's a lot of options in that side. And I think that would be, if I was the manager, that is what I'd want to try with Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah. Different sides, but Mm. interesting. Uh, Let's have a look at Jake's. uh, Craft the the last one. Yep. Current squad. 
if we are going off who is currently fit. So talk me through it. So Palmer, Dunkley, Hutchinson, Reach, straight back four, really. Wild sniffing net. Pelopethi in front. I know I've had people say this week to me, Pelopethi is not a footballer from what I've seen. He's a betting played of one. He's done a good job. We've had this discussion before. Sick of talking about it. There's a player that's improving for me and Dex on this one. We all have opinions. Bannon just in front of that. I like him to play a little bit further forward. Kachunga, and I must mess this up. It should be Harris and then Patterson and Windass up top. All right. Okay. Yeah. No worries. Um... Uh, I think you give Bannon that little bit where he can sit back, but then he can go into that base and go forward and mm. kind of switch it. But I like having the defense a little bit more solid at the back. Yeah. Because you get, and for everyone that always said Palmer's not a great player, he is. He does get back. He works hard. Uh, he always puts the shift in. I'm actually, and, uh, spoiler alert, Palmer's not in any of my sides, but he would be my first rotation if I had, because I mm. don't like leaving Palmer out. But going off my philosophy of the way I like to play football, I'm like I'm not a football manager, but you know, like when I play I set up any team on any simulation game or anything like that, there's other players in our squad that would suit my style better. And that's the whole point yeah. of this. It's the fun side of it. You know, it's um I I think realistically, Palmer's got the experience that I would I would happily trust him. You could you could slot him in and out for like the reach spot or the Urigidi spot because he'll do yeah. the job. He's a great player, and I want to see. He's one player I want to say stay at the club. You know, he's come on leaps and bounds for me, and he's I a very see solid him player. So yeah, as well, same. Um, but yeah, for for this, I knew you'd probably put Palmer as well, so I'd I'd get off the hook a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I like Chung on the wing as well. Hmm. I do like him for his speed. He's a little bit crafty at times. Kachunga was nearly my position, you know, for my ideal side. Do I put him up there instead of Patterson? But I wanted a different style because I had so much pace with Harris and uh, Green that I was like, I don't need just somebody with pace. I want to go for somebody who can make a goal out of nothing like Patterson. So that's why I went for Patterson up front. But I like this. This is a a good side given what we've got. Mine does differ. Again, we'll go over mine Mm now. Um... So I do mine, find it funny that we both got injuries to your to both our players in certain positions at the back. Yeah, no, no, yeah. Well, <laughs> we've just start. I started a new season for this. We've used Football Manager, obviously, to right. uh, ignore all my tactical styles. I'm not actually using that. But Wild Smith in net because I think he's the better of our two current keepers. Um, I've got Borner and Lee's at centre back. He doesn't fill me with confidence, but we haven't got many options because Dunkley's not fit, is he? Dunkley is fit. Is he? Dunkley fit. Dunkley even said on Instagram, somebody said, get in the squad once you're fit. And he said, I am fit. Dunkley fit. Right. Then I want Dunkley instead of Lee's in this side, please. Because I didn't, <laughs> I thought, I honestly thought he's a mission at the minute. Nope. You know, because nope. he has Dun- been injured. I yeah. thought he, he was, it was precautionary that he picked up Knox. No, Dunkley is fit. Right. Lee's is not in this side. Uh, he's on the bench. Dunkley is next to Borna for me. Sorry, um, Tom. <laughs> and then I've still got uh, left back of reach, right back of Irrigidi, because I still think they can go forward with it. This is me yeah. playing through the middle, okay? Because at the minute, I've seen a lot of our wing play. Just It only works. It's not getting us results, right? And we can play wing play, but this would be my plan A currently. Yeah, I've put Hutchinson in front of a back two as an anchor man, a defensive midfielder that can link up the play and drop into the defense if he needs to. Okay, so I do like that. I do like that 
defensive midfielder that can drop in. You can see that's a style that I like because I like to build the play through the middle if we can. Him linking up with Bannon will be great. Bannon and Pelopessi. I've gone for Pelopessi again. He's actually becoming a really good player to link up the play as well. He's actually, he's not as much of a ball-winning midfielder as you think. You think him like for like for Luongo. He's not really that. He he can do that, but he's actually a bit more technical. He's more of a, he is more of a player that likes to link up the play and he's actually getting quite good at it. So yep. for me, we didn't really have that natural ball winner that wasn't Hutchinson, but I don't want to put him in the midfield because I want him to shield my defence. So... I put Pelopessi next to Bannon. They can do similar jobs, but I will utilize Bannon as a box-to-box midfielder and just let Pelopessi sort of like link up where he can. And then in front, I've got Izzy Brown as an attacking midfielder, as a as a center took, just behind the two strikers. It took me a lot not to put Brown in. Because me. the times I've seen Brown play, don't let him do the long runs, but give him the ball and he'll be able to get it and lay it off to somebody or link it through or even have a shot himself and he wants to score and he wants to get forward. For me, I want that behind my my front two. My front two are Patterson and Kachunga. I think they are our best two. Rhodes, obviously, I said, is too inconsistent for me. Patterson's getting the goals. He can find a goal out of nothing. Kachunga, for me, shows a lot of good signs as well because he's got the pace. So you get yeah. it to Kachunga, he gets in there, he can link up the play. We've seen it from a corner, actually. Long throw from Patterson, Kachunga's head comes back in, and then Palmer got that goal that time, didn't he? And yes, sorry, Palmer. Yeah, he did. Not in the side. But Kachunga, for me, I want to see a lot more of him. Play him as a, uh, as a striker there, why not? With Brown behind him and Patterson at the left. I could see that working. For me, if we were to try and change it up and try and get some results, I'd give this a crack. Mm. I'd give it a crack and play through the midfield because you've also got the option of dropping Hutchinson into that uh, back, fee- uh, back three there and letting Reach and Aragidi become full wing backs and letting them go up the field and then and play your wing no- play. And as you notice with Moore, are you doing that playing from the back kind of mentality at the minute? Yeah, I've heard that. I've heard it's all about building from the back with Moore. But yeah, mm. that was really fun. Okay, yes. and we have had I like that question. We've had quite a few people contact us, and I've been speaking to quite a few people. If you want to contact me, guys, please use all the dexterity box things. Um, use the community tab for the topics and stuff. But if you're ever going to try and actually contact me for whatever reason, a suggestion or anything, there is a dexterity box Twitter. Uh, there's also a dexterity box Facebook. Talk through the official channels, that sort of thing. That's the best way yeah. to do it. Um, they're the ones I check as well. So let's. Let's wrap that one up, but thank you. Please keep them coming in terms of yes. that. The community topics, really good this week. A lot of fun. Upcoming matches. After Norwich, it's Huddersfield and Barnsley. So Huddersfield, inconsistency, um, but looking to get back onto it. They're worried about getting dragged down into relegation battle. I pretty yeah, much think, they're, I think, they're, I I think, think they'll safe. be all right. I think they're safe. I think we're going to save them, if anything. Uh, mm. How do you feel for the Huddersfield match? <sighs> It's that whole thing. If any team that's inconsistent come against, against us, then so you get the, that consistency. I, I think the beautiful thing we've had this week, especially going into the next couple of matches, Norwich, Huddersfield, we've had a week where he's had a week uninterrupted where he can mm. try and say to the players, this is what I want to do. Yeah. This is what I want to work on. Hopefully that week will have helped them see what he wants. Because it, it was always going to be hard for him to go and put his stamp down straight away. With yeah. two games in a week. So i slightly confident about that Huddersfield game because if he can get on believing in themselves, we might get something. Yeah. Um, it's the one we're probably going to more likely to get something from because yeah. Barnsley on a four-match winning streak might be slightly different by the time we get there. But um, 
Good side. Barnsley are just uh, impressive. The manager they've brought in, they, they've recruited they, they, him really they've, well. They've, they've shaken off the stereotype Barnsley this season and fair play mm. to them for it. You know, I'm not... They I, look like Carl, They look like Carlos team from first season. I, I couldn't fully disagree, to be honest. They've, uh, they've done the right things... Um, I think it's a bit far to call them the 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 model to go for for to for um Yorkshire football after one season. Mm. Let's see some consistency. But yeah. they could definitely get, kick they, on. They are that side yeah. that can push for it. And uh, I don't see it being easy for us at all. I'm I'm no. a, 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 again two Yorkshire fixtures, two fixtures I'm seeing us struggle to get anything out of. I'm only hoping that um this is the thing. We lose these, we are down. We've been saying that pretty much every week, but like, there's no way, no way, if we lose both of these, we're up. We're staying up. The thing is, when you look at the table, yes, we need to now massively go on a run. And mm. then the teams like Birmingham, they're not, and Rotherham, they're not, Birmingham are up and down. But when do they team at me that just don't know how to put a run? There's yet. also, there's also the rumors floating around that Rotherham allegedly might get a points deduction for the fact that uh, the the uh, the amount yeah. of matches and the uh... it's interesting that one. I want to talk about that in a bit, in a bit more detail. Yes, but, uh, I won't do it. We won't do it today, but because I want to see if there's actually an legitimacy in this story. But we have heard inklings that mm. um, they are a team that are, have had a lot of matches called off. And we understand fully in the current situation, but the ma- the teams they have played around that, none of them have had COVID uh, positive no. tests come back. The the one that got me was this weekend game that got called off against that they had it postponed due to COVID, yet we didn't, and we just mm. played them. Mm. Nine times ten, when you see a team play another team, it feels that's postponed. not us bringing this up. By the way, this no, is genuinely no. we we read it, we read a source, um, we found it when we were just looking at stuff and. I think somebody was baiting for clicks. They were going yeah. and going, uh, oh, could they get a points deduction for that? It won't end up in a points deduction. Uh, no. But there is obviously, there is there, are, there has been people starting to mention that why is this being a situation if there's only points? Birmingham manager. Birmingham manager said, you look at their running games, they've got games coming up that could potentially put Birmingham down if they win their game, then they've got nothing they can do about it. Mm. So... There are concerns there. I, I don't know. But yeah, we will uh, obviously be back next Sunday for the yes. uh, Talking Wednesday podcast after all of that, and we will see the current state of it. What has was meant to be a quiet week has turned into our longest Talking Wednesday yet. Ever. By some bits, <laughs> uh, some milestone. I definitely need to stand up now because this chair is not comfy. Um, <laughs> but yeah, anything final you'd like to close on, Jake? Uh, apart from that, was your plug for can I have a chair sponsorship, please? Yeah, definitely. definitely. I'll take any sponsorships at the minute, mate. This channel's becoming expensive. Uh, <laughs> nah, just just take care of yourself, really. Yeah, look after yourselves. Um, be nice to each other. Be humans that are open to growth in your life. Let's get let's get all uh, philosophical about Cowie. Be decent to people. Be decent to yourselves, and we will see you next week for Talking Wednesday. Yeah. <laughs>